Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liprocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Liprocubicularist. Yeah, I am. Today, my friends, is TV Tuesday, sometimes referred to as Television Tuesday, but for brevity's sake, more often referred to as TV Tuesday. Me explaining that has sucked what brevity there was out of the whole situation. Damn you, explanations. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. The reason I like saying that is because there is spoilers. So, if you listen to this and say, hey, he spoiled that, the bastard, well, you have no one to blame but yourself for the reason that this warning appears at the top of every show. So, there. Take that. Uh, another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> no, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow and become larger they already are. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business on this Television Tuesday, and that is today's sponsor. Yeah, kind of a sponsor, right? Today's sponsor is the Nazi gay bar, Hitler's Mustache. Once again, today's sponsor is the new Nazi gay bar chain by the name of Hitler's Mustache. Thank you for them for sponsoring this TV Tuesday episode, in which I've basically kind of sort of kind of sort of only really brought back one episode of one show, which is not totally bizarre, but not necessarily the norm either. It was just something that happened on the television. Or, I should specify, and I do specify this from time to time, happened online from a television show that is on too late for me to watch when it actually airs for the reason that I am unconscious. And that is an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live! Yeah. A regular uh, staple, perhaps, even if you will, of the Television Tuesday episodes within this podcast. So... That fact, combined with that he had on the just about entire cast, not the entire cast, but probably close to the entire cast of the new movie The Monuments Men on his show for a very, very special episode, meant that I had to bring it back. I did not have a choice. This movie, The Monuments Men, is guaranteed 100% the movie right now that I want to see more than any others is this movie, so you can guarantee, friggin' tea. it's a Libro Cube guarantee, even, 
that uh, I will bring this back on a movie Monday uh, at some point in the hopefully not too distant future. Uh, I can give you the gist of the movie here, which if you've seen or heard anything about this movie, you may already know. It's uh, based on a true story, which uh, when it comes to movies based on true stories, I always sort of take with a grain of salt the whole trueness of them. But certain parts of this are based on actual events. Grain of salt. Uh, the true story being that there existed a group of men during, I guess it was World War II, who were sent out to find art and keep it from the Nazis for the reason that the Nazis had a big uh, hard-on for destroying arts that they found at all, uh, I guess from their point of view, wrong, inflammatory. I don't, I don't actually know what the exact criteria they had for art that needed to be destroyed, but some of it did, apparently, which is pretty disgusting. And just further, inf just a sort of further emphasis on Nazis being bad, as if we needed it further, but, you know, this is taking the bad Nazi route from a uh, different point of view. So, there you go. Uh, it sounds like George Clooney... It had a very, very large hand in bringing this movie to the big screen. And I don't know if that came in the form of writing or just backing or just saying, hey, I got the script, I want to make this movie, what can I do to make it happen? That sort of idea. I, I don't really know. I know he has a large hand in it, but I don't know exactly the form in which that hand takes place. So that's kind of interesting when you're a big movie star and a, uh, a script comes across your desk that you really, really want to be a part of, how uh, far are you willing to get involved with said script? Interesting. Uh, so for that reason, Jimmy Kimmel Live uh, sort of started out with just interviewing him at first to kind of get a little of the, uh, the broad strokes, I guess you would say. Uh, it turns out, and I did not realize this fact, that George Clooney was actually, factually, Jimmy Kimmel's very first guest. So when he started this program, however long ago, he uh, his first guest was George Clooney. <laughs> kind of funny and potentially upsetting is the fact that uh, this is the first time that George Clooney's been back in the intervening many, many years, which uh, seems kind of strange. Maybe he didn't have the greatest time being the first guest, I don't know. But then, seemingly, they are friendly with one another, seemingly, for the reason that, apparently, they spent New Year's together. Not just the two of them, alone, romantic candlelight dinner, Jimmy Kimmel and George Clooney, for New Year's. Although that is amusing to picture, and that is what I've just done. <laughs> but uh, rather, I guess, like at a party or with a group of people. And it turns out that uh, Jimmy Kimmel got incredibly blackout couldn't remember a thing drunk, which he says he never does. He said it so emphatically that I, I tend to believe him. And it sounds like he spent uh, most of the night, or at least a couple hours of the night, just sitting chatting with George Clooney's mom. <laughs> so, you know, that that's amusing as well. Candlelight dinner, George Clooney and Jimmy Kimmel just sitting and talking for New Year's, romantic-like. That's amusing. Further amusement, and apparently actual truth, is a New Year's party where Jimmy Kimmel spent the majority of his time just chatting with George Clooney's mom. <laughs> so nice. So nice. Uh, they spoke of... Oh, I forget how this came about. If it was a birthday, 
or if it was George Clooney's sort of gift for being the first guest, uh, I'm not sure which. Um, a gift that Jimmy gave to George, if I can call them by their first names, which apparently I can since I just did. And that was stationary. Oh, that's, that's pretty nice. You know, from the desk of, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. However, the stationary said something along the lines of, from the desk of Brad Pitt. <laughs> so for the last, what has it been, like five-ish years, some, some fairly long number, George Clooney has had stationery that he has used in order to impersonate Brad Pitt, because apparently, and uh, if you've ever seen or heard anything with George Clooney, it's, it's come up like a freakish amount that I've heard. He's a bit of a prankster. He likes a good prank, and so does Jimmy Kimmel, which is why I think uh, they might potentially actually be real friends. So, uh, so he has been using this stationery and sending letters to people as George Clooney. He gave a couple examples. Uh, I didn't write them down what exactly they were, so I recommend you check this out, which you can do so on YouTube. Thank you, Jimmy Kimmel Live, the television show for posting your episodes, although not in their entirety, on YouTube. Enough to get me by. Enough to get me by. Uh, yeah, he did one to George, or George, but George Clooney did one to uh, Don Cheadle, did one to uh, Meryl Streep, I think. <laughs> yeah, very, very good. A, a prank to Meryl Streep, that, that right there is amusing, just full stop. This section ended with them showing a clip from the movie. As you do on a late night talk show, you're going to show uh, some, some movie clips, potentially. This one was actually a deleted scene involving uh, Hitler. Yeah, because Hitler, he is in the movie, but you never actually get to see his face, apparently. So this was a uh, deleted scene in which you do see his face that was cut out of the movie. Um... Should I say what happened here? Yeah, what the hell? What the hell? I, I warned of spoilers. It turns out that Guillermo, the uh, security guard, sometimes interactor with Jimmy, sometimes actor in skits with Jimmy, uh, was the man who played Hitler in The Monuments Men. Yeah. They had to cut him out because he was a little over the top, just, uh, just a little with his goose-stepping and his hiles and what have you. <laughs> that was good, actually. Okay, so, we got that part out of the way. What happens next is we get the rest of the goddamn cast out. Holy shitburgers. So, uh, George Clooney stays. Then uh, Kate Blanchett comes out. John Goodman. Bob Balaban. And, of course, my favorites. Favorite actor? One of my just favorite people on this globe, Mr. Bill Murray, which may have something to do with why I want to see this movie so much, because I try and have succeeded definitely in the 90 percentile, I would say, in seeing every single movie he ever makes. Uh, something I really liked about this interview as well is that I'm a huge John Goodman fan, and as far as actual laughs, uh, Bill Murray guaranteed had a few uh, that almost goes without saying, but I said it anyway. Uh, but I think John Goodman stole the show for the most uh, most laughs and jokes. So uh, it was nice to see that. But something I always say to the missus is that 
if John Goodman is in your movie, A, he's going to be amazing in it, and two, the odds of the movie being amazing go up incredibly high. He spoke a little bit about how he pulled uh, George Clooney off the streets. Uh, he was a troubled youth and got him a job on Roseanne, which I totally forgot. I used to really not like the show Roseanne. <coughs> Nothing to do with John Goodman, just the sort of show in general wasn't up my alley. But uh, yeah, I do remember a couple episodes with George Clooney, a very, very young George Clooney in them. He played a guy named Booker. Yeah, Booker. Uh, Bill Murray was wearing a fez of some sort, you know, as you do. They spoke a little bit about uh, Garfield, the movie Garfield, of which Bill Murray was the voice of Garfield. And probably, uh, I don't know about his only, but definitely his biggest regret in making movies was the movie Garfield, and he spoke at length of that in other things. Uh, the gist is that the movie was made by someone by the name of Joel Cohen, so his uh, assumption was, oh yeah, the Cohen brothers? Yeah, I love those guys. <sighs> sure, I'll, I'll do this movie. It turns out that the Joel Cohen in question was not one of the Cohen brothers, in fact, spelt his name differently, so he agreed to do this Garfield movie and then uh, immediately sort of regretted it. It's a whole big cool story that... Uh, I don't have time to get into here, but the many interesting twists and turns involving Bill Murray and the movie Garfield. Okay, then we got into some general Q&A, and this is something that Jimmy Kimmel does amazingly well, and whenever he does it, uh, it makes me think, where does he get these questions? Does he come up with them himself? Are they written in by fans? Is it the whole sort of cast puts a group of questions in a hat, and they pick out some, regardless of the answer, and I hope it's that he comes up with them himself, uh, they're always just sort of weird and seemingly ridiculous, and yet uh, the people being asked as questions, things will sort of pop out that would never pop out in a quote-unquote normal interview. So his first, his first question is, who forgot lines the most? Who could not remember the lines? Apparently it was John Goodman. He kind of, it almost felt like he jumped on a grenade there, like maybe with someone else, and he just took a bullet. Uh, who did the crew like the most? Kate Blanchett, without hesitation. Says me. <laughs> that was good as well. She, you know what? Uh, my exposure to Kate Blanchett is pretty much Lord of the Rings based, so I don't really know too much about her, her or have seen her in, in a great many movies. But after this interview, uh, I am open to seeing more of her. She was, uh, she was quite quite funny and quick, and I always, uh, always appreciate that. Who would pick up, be most likely to pick up a check? Uh, it was Bob Bal Balaban. <laughs> it's funny because then they joke that after this show, he was going to have to pick up a check to make this true. Uh, who knows the least amount about art, as this movie focused a lot on art? The answer to that was Matt Damon. Now, I haven't mentioned Matt Damon for the reason that <laughs> if you are unfamiliar with Jimmy Kimmel, and Matt Damon, they have a, a horrible feud between the both of them. Basically, hatred spewing back and forth. So, uh, they brought out the whole crew, with the exception of Matt Damon. Got their talk on for a while. Then Jimmy Kimmel kind of had to bring him out. So, <laughs> at first, didn't give him a chair. Then gave him, like, a, this little kitty wooden chair he had to sit on. Then uh, showed a clip from this movie with Matt Damon in it. 
or at least that was how it was set up. Turned out they actually just showed a clip from the Liberace movie, what was that, Behind the Candelabra, which I haven't seen yet, but I wonder if it's any good. Although the scene, uh, I don't know, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. This scene uh, was just a, a brief snippet of uh, Matt Damon getting his kiss on with uh, Michael Douglas, so <laughs> pretending it was in this movie, Monuments Men. Matt was getting increasingly frustrated and said, why don't you ask ask me. Why don't you ask me an actual question? Jesus, Jimmy, you're horrible at this. Jimmy manages to actually factually ask him a question as if he is a sort of real guest. Oh, that was, that was nice of him. And then the, uh, the uh, fire alarm goes off and they have to evacuate the building. A couple of quote-unquote firemen come out and spray Matt Damon with fire extinguishers. The end. This whole thing Highly, highly recommend you watch. Uh, I just sort of uh, hit some points here that will hopefully tease you into doing so. It was just a, a beautiful night in comedy that appeared on television and now, for our convenience, appears on the internet. Thank you, internet. Uh, okay, so I have uh, a couple of seconds here before I get to work, and I just want to mention one other thing, and that was Jay Leno. Uh, I've never really watched... Late Night with Jay Leno, or sorry, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, I just sort of caught some of the things revolving around him leaving for the second time. One, his sort of heartfelt goodbye after 22 years, or his second goodbye. Uh, and uh, two sides to a coin. I would probably tend to be on Conan's side with regards to the whole Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien fiasco. However, watching this video has sort of made me realize that there is two sides to every coin, which sometimes is not easy to remember. And Jay Leno loves this job like he loves a child, so him sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, fighting for it, uh, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. It's not necessarily something he did that was wrong. Okay, maybe ways in which he went about it are wrong, but the actual act itself, it's hard to fault him, really. So there you go, just throwing that out to finish off this 2v Tuesday, which is, well, finished for the reason that I'm at work, mission accomplished. I will say, as I do often, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.